Welcome to Making Home Happen, a podcast where we discuss everything that makes home happen. I'm your host, Martin Blair. We are in the studio today with Matt Adams with Rock Solid Inspections. He is a home inspector here locally in Central Kentucky. Today, we're going to talk, we're just going to discuss and talk about all the different uh, aspects of the business and the industry and things that he does and how he can help us all out. So, what exactly is Rock Solid Inspections? I do your standard pre-purchase home inspections, which, you know, I go through basic, I kind of joke about it. I say I live in the house for about three hours and if it's, if it's going to break, I'll break it. Or if it's going to quit functioning, it'll be because of me. Um, and basically then I just turn around and give you uh, the information that I collect that day. I'll go in, do my inspection, y'all run faucets, check the electrical systems, uh, you know, run the HVAC, get your conditions, get your ages, get on roofs, get in crawl spaces, get in attics. I'm also a professional engineer. I do structural investigations. So I do evaluate foundations and structures with more a more critical eye and more perspective than your standard home inspector. That's basically it. And then we come generally most of the time uh, meet the buyer at the end mm-hmm. and uh, just say, hey, here's what I found. And I walk you through, answer questions, and just hang out until you are comfortable with the information that I've been pre- presenting. Gotcha. So how long have you been in the business now? <laughs> well, it depends on which business you're talking about. I've been a home inspector. I opened my business in 27 years. Well, seven years. Six. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. That's when I started my home inspection business. I've been a forensic engineer going on since 2004. I started with a uh, forensic engineering company in Louisville. And after I left, I was there for 11 years, left that, took about a year to figure out what I was going to do. And a friend of mine said, hey, start a home inspection business, but keep your engineering license. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. And after about the first year, I basically quit advertising and marketing. Uh, there was no need. Gotcha. So when you say forensic, are you talking about what killed a house? or Essentially, yeah. Damage and failure analysis. When something breaks, I go find out why. And I say, yes, this is a problem or no, it's not. You know, I get called out all the time to just look at a variety of full scale of damage and failure on houses, mostly residential construction. I get into a little bit. I mean, I've looked at some of these commercial buildings here. I've gone all over. I go down to Pineville and do stuff up to Covington. Just And it's just a variety of things. Hey, can you look at this and tell me what's going on? I've been a professional engineer for a long time, uh, 20 plus years, I'd say, actually. Probably going on 20. I can't remember exactly what year I got my license. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, was, I, worked for a, I worked for the state for about five years in the highway department. And then I, I, before that, I worked for a small um, private firm in Hazard, General Civil. So as a sort of a labor of love, I mean, what's kept you in the industry? Yeah. So that the reason I got into civil engineering to begin with, see, I'm a professional civil engineer licensed here in the state of Kentucky, civil engineering by education. The reason I got into it to begin with was because during orientation, I realized like uh, this civil stuff, it's like basically you draw pictures of it or write it down and it happens within the next couple of years. So, you know, you can... It's it's there. It's, it's unlike where chemical engineering, which whew, I'm glad I did not get into that. It's more theoretical. You're putting molecules together that you may or may not ever see or, oh, it's like we designed a new plastic based on this. I get that part. But no, civil is like hammer, nails, hands-on construction type stuff. Right. I meet a lot of... Uh a lot of different contractors and, and I always ask them, you know, do you do anything with electricity? And they say, oh, no, we don't do that. And so why not? So you can't see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense on that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, this is more much, much more physical. More uh, concrete. Absolutely. So to speak. 
True. <laughs> yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah. So from an area of expertise, I mean, you're all over the board there, but when it comes to new purchase residential construction, is mm-hmm. that is that where you feel like, you know, the niche that really fits you? Uh, sort of yes, yeah, sort of no. I mean, that's the home inspection stuff. I mean, it's residential construction, yes, 100%, not necessarily just new purchase. I get existing homeowners call me all the time saying, hey, we've just had such and such come out here and tell us we need $20,000 worth of repairs to our foundation or our house or our roof. I mean, I do roofing investigations too, mm-hmm. storm damage and failure. And then I go out and look. I'm like, no, it's just settlement. It's been there since the house was built, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so not necessarily just new purchase or pre-purchase. I do a little pre-listing inspections too. But uh, yeah, residential construction makes up 99% of what I do, I'd have to say. It's the biggest part, but I love it. I mean, it's super great. And now as far as expertise, I'm really not an expert on anything, but I do carry a, a whole different perspective than anybody else in the industry. Almost anybody else. I met some really smart home inspectors uh, that are have great perspective on construction. I specialize in maybe historic construction, historic houses, because I feel like I understand them a little better. Okay. I go in, I don't freak out over unlevel floors or, you know, stone foundations that are falling in here and there and things like that, because I understand how houses work, then different types of structures and how they work. So specialty and historic construction, I'd say would be what I specialize in. Gotcha. Um, so very interesting stuff. A lot of information I, I did not know about you. I know that you have been on speed dial for me on several different deals that we've done over the past years. Um, and, you know, especially like um, foundation inspections, like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need you for those. Anytime someone's out there asking, hey, can you recommend a good home inspector? You, you know, you're at the top of the list there. Um, but working around just a something to think forward to. We're typically dealing with refinances and new home purchases. So on that new home purchase, when they're asking for a home inspector and we're giving out a name and they're asking, well, we're thinking about doing it. We've got a family member that's, you know, built houses or whatnot. Mm. We're going to have dad look at it. You know, all these different answers and, you know, come, come up. And then they ask me, so what should we expect, you know, whenever we purchase this report? And, the the quick answer that I give them is so we're going to have a professional come out and look at the house and like you said try to break it or at least find out what is broken mm-hmm. and then they're going to give you a report and they're going to go over that report with you and you're going to get freaked out when you see this report mm-hmm. and the reason being is there's always something it's always ticky tacky stuff you know think about anywhere you've ever lived your own home you know when you were growing up any apartment you've ever been in there's always something and the more detailed the report the more information there is there but don't don't go overboard with when you're reading it because there's like a, this is normal wear and tear versus this is something to really look at. So when folks are asking you about the report, how do you go over that report with them so as to not like scare the bejesus out of it? Uh, actually, just like I'm sitting here talking to you, um, again, that is something else I do specialize in. And it's, it's I don't want to call it handholding on one hand, but it is on the other. Um, I can explain things. And I can separate things to where, hey, this is a big deal. It needs to be fixed or it is completely unsafe. Hey, this is not. And that's why I like to meet with people. Um, And I'll explain that in a second. But that's the one thing every realtor that's ever ever referred me is like, I love the way you handle, you know, your wrap up and when you talk to people. Just because you put everybody at ease, you don't freak people out. I can go through I can go through the whole list on my home inspection and explain every little thing. And some people will get overwhelmed a little bit, and I try to reel them back in a little bit. 
A good, really good example, a reason I like to sit down and talk to people before I give them the report is because if I, I and I've, I've done this multiple times, like, for instance, I will meet with, let's say it's a couple, man and woman. I'll meet with one of them, mm-hmm. be it the man and the woman, and explain everything. I'm like, hey, gutter downspout extensions, not a big deal. Crawl space is a little damp, not a big deal. Uh, you know, you've got one or two repairs that need to be made over here, not a big deal. You know, assuming there's no big deals. Right. And, but it'll be a lot of that type of wear and tear maintenance type stuff. And the report will look pretty full. Well, the other spouse gets the report without having talked to me first. And they look it over and they think the house is falling down. Right. That's how it's it's about applying perspective. Yes, I agree with that. I will second it. You you do a very good job of, of speaking to our clients and going over the report so as not to really freak them out. And I think experience has a lot to do with that. You learn the right way to approach individuals. Well, 11 years as a forensic engineer, mercy. You had better learn how to talk to people. I mean, I also did um, expert testimony. You know, I would testify in court on my findings. And so I had to learn how to talk to people. And it, it makes a difference. Oh, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. So what are, I mean, in your, your experience, what would be the best advice you would give to a new homeowner that is maybe wanting to wing it? And not get a home inspector. If they're not going to hire you, if you could give them like a little nugget of information, you know, buyer beware, what would you say? Get a book on home maintenance and study it. And that way you'll understand two things. You'll understand that things that break, why they break and how to fix them or how to prevent them from breaking in the first place. I like that. And for those out there that are wanting to hire a home inspector, but aren't sure who to hire. What would you say would be some really great interview questions? What what should they base their, their hire on? Well, the one thing everybody loves to base their hiring process on is the price, which is not indicative of anything. Just because you're low price doesn't mean you're inexperienced or bad. And just because you charge a lot doesn't mean you like know everything. But as far as the questions go, I honestly have no idea. I mean, if somebody wants to hire me, great. And if not, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of really good home inspectors out there. I know several. I know a few of them, actually. And, uh, you know, I've spoken with them. I've talked to them about their deliveries and I've seen their reports because the crazy part is, is like, no matter whether you want to use me as a home inspector or not, I'm going to be at your front door at some point, right, for an engineering inspection. And I see all these other home inspection reports. And so there's a lot of really good home inspectors out there. I mean, and any good realtor will have a list of our top five ish, uh, top three, I don't know, top two. And say, hey, I'm not allowed to say, and legally, I'm not allowed to tell you who to pick, but here's the top three. Here's who I've worked with. And this guy's an engineer, and this guy's been in it for 20 years, and blah, 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 on and on. Right. Um, So, for Rock Solid, you got a website? (laughs) No. Used to. Put it under construction a couple of years ago, just never dug it back out. Um, that's the one thing. It's crazy. Uh, if I did any marketing or advertising, mm-hmm. I would probably end up having to hire somebody to help me with the work because I've, I can't remember the last time I handed out a business card or did anything. Uh, it's just all word of mouth. Got it. And the, it's my name should be out there enough by now that if somebody wants to find me, they can. Gotcha. And we're going to absolutely make sure that your phone number is out there. <laughs> so I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Um, so in wrapping up a couple of things here, um, manufactured homes, they, they seem to be, um, well, at least recently, we're picking up a lot of manufactured home purchases. Mm-hmm. And depending upon the type of financing that is involved with that, a home foundation inspection is also required. 
to go along with or accompany the appraisal. They do not mandate that we have a home inspection, but they do mandate that we have a foundation inspection. Mm. So one of the great bonuses I feel in recommending you is that not only can you do the foundation inspection, but you can also do the home inspection too. So you just have, you know, a win-win there. When it comes to, you know, doing these crawl spaces and whatnot, a lot of times I'm telling my clients they need to be tied down, properly secured, Mm -hmm. you know, up and down. So you need to be at least on pillars, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes there's uh, this misconception of a quote unquote permanent foundation. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, what do you feel is a permanent foundation? Arbitrarily or whatever, uh, permanent foundation just means that you can't pick it up and move it. It means it is anchored. Um, now, as far as the HUD guide goes for 1994 manufactured home guide to permanent foundations, I mm-hmm. think that's what it is by HUD, uh, HUD, Housing for Urban Development. It it has to be tied down. It has to be vertically anchored. Uh, it has to sit on concrete. The, the columns has to, to sit on concrete footers. Your wheels, tongues, and axles have to be removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 76, I believe, the federal government got involved in manufactured homes and started putting all these mandates on because people were uh, evading taxes. It's like when it came to pay property taxes, they would just hook their trailer to the back of the truck and take off. Uh. And so now... All these things have been put in place. All these requirements have been put in place to prevent that. And that is a permanent foundation. Now, there are certain things I have boiled the guide down. If you implemented every single little thing in that guide that they're saying, hey, this has to be, you would never sell a manufactured home with a government subsidized loan. It just couldn't happen. Right. So I have boiled it down to what I think are the most important uh, and the most like obvious ones. And it's the skirting has to be durable. It doesn't have to be block, but it has to be durable, you can, meaning you can't throw a rock through it with a lawnmower or, or cut up the weed eater. Mm-hmm. So, and people, I swear, it's like they freak out when I tell them that. I'm like, no, this vinyl stuff does not pass. HUD even like said, hey, here's the thing. Here's what to do when it's got a vinyl skirt. They right. released a memo on it. So it has to be vertically anchored. Has to be uh, the, the skirting has to be durable and has to be on concrete footers. Mm-hmm. Now the other thing that people don't really take into account, uh, sometimes they do. Sometimes they're really on top of things. Any any decks or porches that are quote unquote attached to the home mm-hmm. actually can't be attached. In other words, they have to be freestanding, and that includes the roofs over the decks. Right. You know, a lot of people just want to nail these things right into the fascia, the gutter board, and then nail the deck into the home, and then put two posts out front. My big thing is if you can go in and support the backside, I don't care if you do attach it because the posts against the house will now support everything. Right. And that's very, very close to what we say. It's like you have to imagine hooking onto that mobile home and pulling it out and all the other structures are still there. Right. Yep. So very, very good. You are out of Richmond. I live in Richmond. Yeah. Okay. How long have you been here in central Kentucky? Let's see here. Graduated UK in 97, moved home for about a year or so, and then moved back after, after I got the job with the state and lived uh, lived, in Lex- lived in Lexington for a few years while I worked with the state, and then lived in Lexington for a few more years while I was working in Louisville, and then we moved to Lawrenceburg. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, I've moved to northern Kentucky, and now I'm back in Richmond. So uh, I get you count central Kentucky as anywhere between here and Covington, like most of your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of uh, ever since I got out of UK, I really understood. And from a perspective of where you operate your business, pretty much anywhere in the state. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm licensed as a home inspector and an engineer. I go wherever. I've been to Covington several times, and I've been to Pineville and Mid- uh, Middlesbrough several, several times doing manufactured home inspections, residential home inspections. I mean, you, just, you name it. Gotcha. So getting your business from word of mouth, I mean, most people that have been in this industry for very long would say that that is absolutely you know, like the highest pinnacle that you can get is when people are calling you and you don't have to go out and advertise yourself. Um, and you've done a great job. I think that if you keep doing what you're doing, you know, there's absolutely no no end in sight for you. Well, I got into the business to help people, and I'll explain why. As a forensic engineer, our primary clients, and I love the forensic engineering industry, um, the way it, our primary clients were insurance companies. Uh, for instance, like a hailstorm would come through, and the, someone would file a claim, and the adjuster would go out, and he would look at it, and adjusters are pretty smart. They're, everybody thinks they're just wanting to try to deny the claim. Well, there's two things. that He either wouldn't know or have a deep enough knowledge base and say we need to get an engineer. Or he would know and say, Ugh, if we're gonna, it's like this is not hail damage. If we're going to fight this, we need to make sure it's not hail damage. And that's just an example. Other examples are the cracks and foundations that people were trying to blame earthquakes on. I mean, and I've literally, like, like settlement cracks, you know. Right. And so... Um, the, the thing is, I was always the bad guy going out there because I, the, everybody always immediately thought I was in the insurance company's back pocket. That's like I, they were just paying me to tell it to say what they wanted me to say, which is not true. Just call spade spade. Mm-hmm. So I, but the thing is, is, I never really could help anybody. I would go into people's homes and they would have foundation issues that really needed to be dealt with. And I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. This is what's causing it. Uh, and I don't know about your claims. I don't know about your policy, but it's not due to the construction across the street, you know, trying to file a claim on something like that. Right. And I always felt bad because I got so many like elderly people and people who really couldn't pay on their own for the repairs that were actually needed. When I got into this industry, I'm like, you know what? At least now I can give them the benefit of my knowledge and experience. Gotcha. And so that's what I figure was like, you know what? I'm just here to help people. I'm not here to make a million dollars. If I just keep doing that, I'll be okay. And that was actually going to be <laughs> one of my my final questions here is, you know, it, com- it comes back to giving to people. And, you know, even our motto here, making home happen. That's, mm-hmm. that's been our motto well, well, you know, go back many, many years prior to, well, back before we get into um, – podcasting or anything else you know it's it's if you can give folks the ability to give them a roof you know get get them into home because home is important um that for us is ultimately why we're here we're trying to do that and if we can give back to people then you know i can sleep at night everybody's happy and that's why we're here um to hear you say the exact same words i feel you know it Mm -hmm. yeah you're you're amongst good company in that. Yeah, I just try to help. That's all I want to do. In fact, I just now, for the first time in since I've been started, raised my prices. I had kept my prices the same since 2016. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's it's a sad but true, necessary evil right now. If if everyone were to keep their prices where they are currently, ultimately somebody's going to go broke, go broke, go out of business. <laughs> so we have to raise them a little bit, but there's a big difference between taking advantage of people mm-hmm. and just saying, Hey, I've got to, I've got to kind of keep up with it because, you know, my expenses are going up, but my income is not. Right. So, 
that that makes good sense too. Yeah, the uh, the crazy part is Kentucky is one of the lowest uh, as far as the home inspection market goes, one of the lowest priced areas. I mean, you got people charging well over thousand dollars for home inspections in other states. Mm. Um, and uh, um, and I know of a home inspector friend of mine who said, yeah, he's bumping his up, his minimums this, and he's he's done a couple of thousand dollar plus inspections on bigger homes. Um, he's like, I just don't want the liability and they're, they're paying X amount of money for this house. They can surely pay me to, you know, come in and do a good job. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, but it's, again, I'm not, I'm just trying to keep the lights on, honestly, pay, pay bills and have a little fun on the side. Got it. But, but that is true. It's like when you're looking at what, well, we have to look back at what prices used to dictate, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking 150000 $200,000 house, we go back 10, 12 years ago, you know, that was three or four hours work. Okay, well, $150,000 house now, it's still several hours because it hasn't really gone much different. But let's say it's a $500,000 house. Yeah. Well, what is a $500,000 house now? Well, so you know, it doesn't depend on the price. It depends on square footage for me. Um, and sometimes the age, you know, certain older homes have uh, things that I need to pay a little more attention to. Uh, it also can depend on the, um, the the condition of the home. You know, I've seen some very cluttered up, just like, you know, small homes that I was just constantly right. And I would turn into the living room. Oh, there's a broke window. Oh, it's got a leak under the sink. Um, so it, it's it's very dependent on a lot of factors, how long it takes me. The price necessarily is not indicative of how, how hard the inspection will be. Um, but, you know, somebody paid a, a million plus for a house. I'm like, all right. It's like, and some people charge on percentages uh, of the, the purchase price. Mm. Well, that's that's a... Interesting thought too. So if you're dealing with, you know, what's the price of the house? What's what's my inspection price? What's the square footage of the house? What's yep. my price? How difficult is it to step over all this stuff to still be able to do my job? And what is the price? So it looks like, you know, at least you've kept it fair. You kept it consistent mm-hmm. for so long. And, you know, as long as we can keep that integrity, I think moving forward, you know, across the industry, I think we'll be okay. But, you know, right now we're in a, a season of Nobody really knows <laughs> what's the next step. Yeah, it's it's a little weird right now. Um, the one thing I've always been able to um, mar- kind of keep an eye on, the barometer I've always used is if my structural inspections start going up, that means the market is slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the home inspections will drop off, but my structurals will start to go way up. And I'm not sure. I theorize it's because people are buying things that they would normally pass on, and they want to know, hey, is this okay? What do I need to do to it, et cetera, et cetera, gotcha. rather than getting an actual home inspection. And, again, there are home inspectors out there that are they're probably more popular than me, been doing it longer than me, whatever. So they still do those home inspections. But like I, I've always said, like, Use me or don't. You're going to you're going to be calling me at some point. Right, right. Well, man, this has been very fun, and very enlightening. Thank you for mm-hmm. for joining us. Today. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely welcome. So hopefully we'll have you back in here again with a whole slew of new questions and whatnot. And we'll go a little bit deeper, take a deeper dive into uh, maybe some stories that you've had with some home inspections. In fact, before we end up, let let me ask you that: What would be one of your wilder uh, home inspection experiences that you've had? That's a good question. I'm really bad about just letting things go. Uh, like I experience it and I'm like, all right, that was fun. On to the next one. Right. Um, not really sure home inspection wise. There's really, I mean, I'm sure there's been some remarkable moments. I like it when I find weird stuff in attics and crawl spaces. Oh, there you, you go. You know, dolls and like shrines and, you know, toilets and whatnot. Uh, that's <laughs> always fun. Um, 
honestly, the, uh, truthfully, the best part about it, uh, not necessarily different in, in space, just meeting all the different people I get to meet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, seeing all the different experiences and, you know, being able to relate to that and stuff. But, and some of the stories you hear too, you kind of surprised me with that. I mean, I haven't had a chance to dig back into the memory banks to, to see what, you know, I've really experienced, honestly. Well, that's okay. The next time you're on, we're going to ask that question. <laughs> okay. So you got some time. Okay. I'll, I'll try to think. Right something. now, I'm going to help you with your retirement. Okay. Uh, okay. So from this point forward, or at least let's even go backward, you'd go through your home inspection pictures. Mm-hmm. You need to pull out these really wild and crazy, you know, shrines and dolls in the attics and so on. Yeah. And you need to compile this into your book and your memoirs. Yeah. You know, and just title it Crazy Days in Home Inspection. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm kind of got another idea for it, but if I've... I'm one of the, I'm do a lot of energy management in my life. I focus on like maybe one thing at a time and usually not cleaning or getting a haircut or shaving. But um, no, it's a, um, right now I'm, I shoot competitively and that consumes all my bandwidth, all my time, all my money. Gotcha. And so, but I do have an idea for a book that is a compilation of stories. And I, I actually pitched it to uh, a guy I know once and he's like, it's very Ernest Hemingway like. And I'm like, all right, it's like, if I ever have time to sit down and do this, mm-hmm. then that's the that's the direction I'm going to go. Gotcha. It's just write it on a napkin in a bar. You got it. Well, it does. Have, it's it's called around the world on a bar stool. There it is. Yeah. So it's uh, I hang out in way too many bars, but I have met some of the most interesting people and heard some of the best stories, and I'm just like would love to throw that into a book. Awesome. Well, Matt, we're about out of time, but as promised, I'm going to get your phone number out there. So anyone that would like to reach out to Matt for a home inspection, give him a call at 859-779-0753. That's 859-779-0753. This has been Making Home Happen. If you're a professional with ties to the real estate world and you'd like to be a guest on our show, shoot me an email over to myloan at martinblair.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.